Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Great. Good evening, everybody. Thank you very much for that. Good evening. So the front rows are generally sort of with me. But just before we jump into the sermon, which is really exciting tonight, um, just a quick announcement. So we are starting a Cherish Ladies Bible Study um, that you can access and join absolutely for free. The info is going to be communicated via WhatsApp, and you're welcome to join in that if you're a lady. Guys, sorry about that. We will be sending around the clipboard. If you would like to be part of this Bible study group, you're welcome to just fill out your details there, and they will make sure to contact you and get all the right info um, with you. But we celebrated, as Lorraine mentioned, Valentine's Day. Let me just get an idea. How many of you actually celebrated val Valentine's Day? Okay, that could be you alone with a movie as well. Okay, you're your own Valentine. It's, it's possible, so no one's excluded in this. In this past week, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, okay, which gives away my age, and I came across probably the most brilliant Christian Valentine's Day meme that I could find, if you can put it on the screen, which says, hey kids, happy Valentine's Day. Remember, the real gift of tongues is from the Holy Spirit, not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Keep it in your mouth and have a blessed God-honoring day. What a meme, all right? Now, let me, let, me, let me say this, all right? So when Paul wrote about the gift of tongues, it's not necessarily what he wrote about, except if you're married, then it is also a gift, all right? If I can just lay that down for all the single people here tonight, there is a second gift of tongues, but it's unfortunately not in the Bible. Now, let me just get an idea of who we have in the house tonight. How many of you are currently in a dating relationship? Can you stand? Right, please. Let's give them a hand, give them a round of applause. You're welcome to take your seats. All right, now, now is the one that you need to, to, no, to take note of, all right? If, how many of you are single and ready to mingle? Stand, please. There we go, some honest people in the house, all right? How many of you are single but not ready to mingle? Stand, please. Quite, quite a lot. Okay, you can sit down. So guys, these guys are ready to mingle, okay? Don't believe what they are saying. Um, it's just a very subtle way of saying, I'm dateable, I'm available. How many of you, your relationship status is, it's complicated? Stand, please. Okay. Not even like, like sort of, sort of complicated. How many of you are engaged to be married? Will you please stand? Sophie and Lianay and a couple at the back. Well done. Congrats. And then the best stage of life to ever be in. <laughs> is those who are married. Well, will you please stand? Let's give them a hand. I'm standing as well. Welcome to grab your seats. So we have a bit of everything and then a lot of uncertainty in the room tonight, okay, which I'm hoping to deal with. But the one thing that I would like to deal with tonight is I would like to help you arrive at the answer all right, to the question, to date or not to date? 
But listen to me, married people, there is going to be some good stuff for you as well, all right, to learn and some principles to apply from what I'm going to be saying tonight. Now, how many of you would say that looking back over the past 12 months of your romantic relationship life, all right, whether there has been one or not, how many of you would say that you have experienced a great deal of success in your romantic life? Hands up. Do one. <laughs> Okay, few of us, but very hesitant, hands going up. How many of you, looking back over the past 12 months, in regards to your romantic relationships, feel like, dang, hands up. <laughs> Be honest. Okay, quite a few sitting at the back of the room, right? They don't want to be noticed. But I guess to answer this question, it boils down to what do we define as success when it comes to relationship? Because many of us would define success in relationship is I'm spoken for, okay? I'm actually in a relationship to you. That might be success. To someone else, the success factor in their relational life would be at least I'm not single. For, for some of us, success in our relational life would be that we have been in a relationship for many years. Like I've been dating the same guy or the same girl for the past four or five years. That might be a great success to you. But very few people in the room tonight will define success in terms of relationships as having been single for the past few years. Because here's the notion that we see in our society is if, if someone has been single for longer than six months, they must be a player. And the crowd knows that they are a player. Or the notion might be if they've not been in a relationship for some time, it must be that they, they just can't get a guy or a girl. Okay, that must be the, the reasonable explanation. Or the reason might be that they, they might have a bit of commitment issues. Okay, there might be something off with, with how they see relationship and how they see commitment. Now, I believe that when it comes to dating, when it comes to love, when it comes to sex, when it comes to marriage, the greatest leader to our society in these areas is the media, is Hollywood, is movies, is series, is television. These spaces have led us in a great way when it comes to this area of dating. But an anonymous person made the following statement. They said, online dating is the worst. A friend once huffed while rolling her eyes. Each time I ask friends, ranging from early 20s into their 40s, how the temperature in the dating pool is, I'm met with borderline hostility. It goes on to say, for all the talk of ease that a dating app allows for a potential date, the impression that I'm left with is everyone is swimming in a pool they all took a dump in. Ew, right? But it goes on to say, instead, instead of shocking the water and getting out of the pool, everyone decided they need to keep swimming in the sewage, perhaps even adding to it because the pool is where people swim. 
What this really says is that our society in regards to dating, relationship, and marriage have painted the picture that if you want to get into dating, there's only one way to do it, and that is to jump into the pool that everyone in the pool has taken a dump in and maybe even taking a dump in it yourself. And what that really means, if you're not catching the dump thing here, is that society has painted a picture that if you want to get into the dating game, you will have your heart broken. Or if you want to get into the dating game, you will have to have sex with that person before marriage. It's part of the picture. It's part of the plan. It's all part of dating. And they've painted a, quite a messy picture of what you can expect when you decide to get into the dating game. But the reality that I'm hoping to convince you of tonight is there's a different pool. There's a pool that is clear, that is clean. And that is the way that God is inviting you him by his grace into when it comes to your dating life. I saw a meme once that read the following. It said, it used to be, how long do we date before we have sex? Today, the meme reads, how long do we have sex before we date? Which I believe is a shocking, shocking picture, distortion of what God intended dating, love, marriage, and sex to be. Here's my question to you tonight. Have you budgeted when it comes to your relational capacity? And so for those of you who are students or who are young working people and you are in the dating game or you're going into the dating game very soon, here's what I want to help you with tonight. I want to help you to plan for your dating game that might happen this year. I want to help you to come up with a plan to budget relationally, to budget emotionally, and to budget sexually so that you do not spend more than what you are willing to give in a relationship. Because the reality is this, relationships are by nature interdependent, which means that you will have to give yourself in a relationship. And the more you give yourself in a relationship, the more you would want to give yourself in a relationship, which is the reason why if you're not married, you need to budget for what you intend to spend relationally. And if you don't budget, you will completely lose control of your own sexuality and you will spend way more than what you were willing to spend in the first place. And I want to tell you that is not God's plan for your life. Here's something that is true of everyone sitting here tonight. When you look at your history of dating, maybe when you look back on the few years that you have been married, the one thing that is true of all of us is that your history relationally is an indication of your future relationally unless you start making changes. And so for the married couples here tonight, 
Here's what I'm hoping, what I'm trusting God for, for you tonight, is that you would grow in giving yourself in your marriage. Here is the privilege that we as married people do not have tonight. You need to make the changes while you're busy in the car driving. The rest of the people here, whether you're dating or single, you can start making changes right now when you're out of the game. But for us as married people, we need to start making changes as we're in the game. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says the following. When I was a child, everyone say, when I was a child. Then say, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man or a woman, not that you can choose, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now this is a very, very important thing to catch tonight. I want to make this statement by saying the following. Marriages and relationships are not complicated. Tell the person sitting next to you it's not complicated. But here's the reason why many times we feel like relationships and marriage is complicated. Because when you give something that was designed for an adult to a child, guess what? It will seem very complicated to them. In other words, if you give dating something that was designed for an adult to someone who thinks and acts like a child, it will seem complicated to them. Now, I'm not saying that you're not old enough to date. Maybe those at the back sitting next to each other might be. But that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I am saying. Is when you still approach dating as a child, very immaturely, dating will be one of the most complicated things you will ever experience in your life. And marriage will be a disaster. Because it's not complicated. God did not design relationships and marriage to be complicated. So what is a childish way of approaching dating. Here's what children are naturally good at, being impatient. Children are naturally self-seeking. They're naturally self-centered. They're naturally selfish. They're very easily angered. They're very easily distracted. They're ill-mannered. They're rude, and they want to be held. <laughs> Until they don't. And they think that if they can pelt, they can get what they want. Now this pretty much sounds like a description of some of the relationships in the room. And maybe some of the approaches to relationships in the room that there are very, there's very few sacrificial love in the relationship. There's a lot of impatience and anger and distraction, which means that I'm approaching dating as a child. So here's my big chunk of advice to everyone here tonight. Whether you're married, single, or dating, grow up. <laughs> Don't get old. Don't advance in age. Grow up. See, growing up is something that everyone can do regardless of your age. 
So we need to grow up when it comes to this thing of dating. One childish way in approaching dating is this belief. We call it the right person myth. It's this belief that somewhere out there in the world, there's the right person for me. And I need to start looking for them very actively because when I find them, having a relationship and a marriage with them one day will be completely effortless. It will take no work. Everything will turn out perfectly. But the problem with that thinking is if one person marries the wrong person, the whole system comes tumbling down. Because then I get married, my wife gets pregnant, then I have the wrong children. They were supposed to be called Michael, now it's Michelle. So now we have this whole system that is completely broken up because I did not find the right person. God is inviting you into a perfect purpose for your life when it comes to dating and relationships. But when we approach it in a childish way, we will mess things up. See, the mature way to approach dating is this. Instead of going out and looking for the right person, why don't you try becoming the right person? Instead of looking for someone that is dateable, why don't you take time to become someone who is dateable? Because the reality is you might find the rightest person for you. If you are impatient now, you will be impatient then. If you are angry now, you will be angry then. You need to become the right person. Fix the issues that you are struggling with outside of a relationship so that you might benefit from it inside of relationship and inside of marriage. So the question, should I be dating? Now there are a few criteria that I want to give you that depending on your answer to these questions, this might be a definite no-brainer, no for you, saying you should not be dating. Number one, the first criteria. If you feel like you need to be in a relationship to be emotionally okay, then you should not be dating at the moment. Paul writes to a church and he writes the following. He says, it is better for you not to be married. But if you can't control yourself, get married. Because it's better to be married than to burn with passion. And there's a lot of debate around the scripture, but what Paul is driving home and what he's proving through his lifestyle is this. You do not need to be married to fulfill your God-given purpose. You don't need to be married to fulfill your God-given purpose. Second criteria. Have you been single for longer than a year in the past few years of your life? If not, 
The answer to the question, should you be dating, might be a definite no. The reason why I'm saying this is because you've not taken the time to become the right person, to become a dateable person, and maybe it's a good idea for you to take a break from dating. The third criteria that I want to give you is have you ever or have you experienced constant failure in your past relationships? If your answer to this question is yes, it's an obvious no that you should not be dating at this point in your life. And then the final criteria is am I willing to put in hard work to make my relationships work? And if you can't answer yes to that question, the answer to the question whether you should be in a relationship or not is an obvious no. But if you answered yes to that question, if you're saying, I think I'm ready to be dating, or to at least be ready to go into a relationship, there are five rules to dating and to marriage that I want to give you tonight. And if you have ever wondered if you should be making notes, now is the time to be making notes because I'm going to run through a few things. Rule number one to dating and a good marriage is this. Guys, ask girls on dates. And the guys are like, why are people giggling? Like, what, what is this all about? Here is how you ask a girl to go out on a date. And this applies to married guys as well. Doesn't mean because you're married, you shouldn't ask her to go on dates anymore. Here's how you do it. Do you want to go on a date with me? No more, hey, you want to hang out sometime? Let me say this. If you're dating, nothing should be hanging out. As clear as that. No more, do you want to do something sometime? There's no clarity in that statement at all. As guys, as men... Approaching dating and marriage as grown-ups, we ought to communicate our intentions very clearly whether you're dating, single, or married. Because clarity shows respect. Clarity shows that you honor that person. And when you make your intentions clear to a lady, whether it be your wife, your girlfriend, or just a friend, you're making her feel safe, and you're making her feel secure, and that's something that God has called all men to do for women. Communicate your intentions. I remember before Anal and I started dating, we both had this hugely spiritual experience where God spoke to her and God spoke to me. And when I went to her home and told her how I felt, she told me she already knows God spoke to her. And then there came a point in our relationship where where we basically established that God wanted us to be together. And in my head, it was like a done deal. We were basically dating because God said. <laughs> Not according to her. She sat me down and told me, just because God said, doesn't mean you asked. You still need to ask me to date you. And I did it after she asked me to ask her to date her. <laughs> Here's something that is true about most men, and, and I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed to say this, but it is. Not about all men, but about most men. This is true. If we don't have to, 
then we won't. If we don't have to do, Anel knows this, when I'm lying on the couch at home, it might be clear as daylight to her that I need to take out the garbage. But if I don't have to, <laughs> then I'm not going to do it. And so she knows there are some things that she needs to tell me, you need to do this now. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and this is not a problem for you. You take initiative. I want to say, well done. Okay, bless your soul. Okay, there will be a special place in heaven, but for most men, this does not come naturally to us. And ladies, we need you to make clear what we have to do. So I'm sure all of the guys are sitting here and going, so that means then I need to do some planning. Yes. You need to plan. You can't just chill it out with a girl and go, can we hang out sometime? And our girls know what to say when that thing pops up. So here's how we as guys ask girls on dates. Be clear about your intentions. Put some planning into the process. Tell her I have tickets to this show happening on this day at this time. Would you like to go with me? That's how you ask a girl. It's really not difficult. It's like standing up here saying it, I'm like, why am I even having to teach you how to ask a girl out on a date? And then, guys, give them a way out. Give them a way to say no. And some of the Christian ladies in here, they'll have to pray about it. Don't know why, but they'll have to pray about it. Give them time to pray about it. Married guys, ask your wife out on dates. And do some planning. Do something special to make her feel special. So that's rule number one to dating and to marriage. Rule number two, girls, say yes to dates. Okay, and it, it, I don't mean what it sounds like. I'm saying, say yes to dates. Don't say yes to hang out. Don't say yes to chill sometime. Say yes to dates. Because here's the reality. The first encounter will set the bar. Your first encounter with that guy will set the bar. And if you say yes to kind of just maybe hanging out, you will have a kind of just maybe hanging out relationship. Because the first encounter sets the bar. So guys, ask girls out on dates. Girls, say yes to dates. Make sure that you know what is being asked. When he asks you to hang out sometime, maybe you respond by saying this. What did you have in mind? He will have nothing in mind. <laughs> he won't have anything planned. But what you are saying to him indirectly is you are saying, I believe you have the capacity to date. I believe that you have the capacity to honor me. And I believe you have the capacity to plan. Guys, when ladies push back in this way, so when you ask a lady to hang out sometime, or men, married men, if you ask your wife to do something sometime and she asks you what do you have planned or what do you have in mind, she's not being a... 
that word. But she's inviting you to step up. She's inviting you to grow up, to take an opportunity to honor her as she deserves to be honored. And ladies, don't be desperate. Say no to guys. You are valuable enough to say no to guys. And here's the reality. You might lose the guy and you'll miss him. But if you lose yourself in the process, you'll miss you more. So take the liberty to say no, but to say yes to dates. Say yes to dates. Rule number three, don't ever mistreat anyone. Never. Don't ever mistreat anyone, even if they don't mind being mistreated. And what I'm saying and what I mean by this is, guys, you know what you ought and ought not to do with a friend, with a lady friend, with your girlfriend, with your wife. Don't mistreat them. Don't overstep, even if they don't mind you overstepping. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40 says this. It's Jesus, or it's his disciples speaking to him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied and he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So God is saying, your biggest priority, if you ever have the desire to love someone, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But here's the, here's the problem with many of us, is we have had the thing that God wants us to use to love Him, we've had that broken. We've had our hearts broken in relationships, so we cannot love God with our whole hearts. Some of us cannot love God. We can't adhere to the one most important thing that God is saying, the greatest command, which is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind. Some of our souls, some of your emotions are so messed up because of heartbreak. You don't know if you're coming or going. And God is saying the very foundation for you ever entering into a dating relationship or a marriage is you loving me with your heart, which for you might be broken at this point, with your soul, your emotions, which might be all over the place, and with your mind. And some of us have some messed up thinking when it comes to relationships. And God is saying, the starting point for you is loving me. And in the process of loving me with your heart, your soul, and your mind, I heal your heart, your soul, and your mind so that you can get to the second part of the scripture which says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We need to love God first in order for us to even have the capacity to love anyone else. And it says they love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you don't love yourself. You have no respect for yourself. You've allowed yourself to be mistreated time and time again. And I want to tell you tonight, God wants to heal you so that you can develop the capacity to love someone else as God intended for you to love them. It's God's purpose for your life. The fourth rule to dating and marriage is don't allow yourself to be mistreated. 
So don't mistreat anyone else, but don't allow yourself to be mistreated. God loves you too much for you to be mistreated. The study showed the following, that 20% of people between the ages of 18 and 24 at least once in their life will self-harm will hurt themselves in some other way. And it goes on to say that 80% of people who have self-harmed had a history of being abused in romantic relationships. That's the reality, and here's the reason for it. If you grew up without a father, if you grew up maybe with an absent father, there's a need, a very fundamental need that every single person has. Ladies, especially you, where you need, not want, you need to be loved and, and accepted unconditionally by your dad. And if you don't grow up having that need filled, the first place that you will go looking for it is with other men. And you will take any man that will accept you and love you. And you will allow yourself to be mistreated. Here's how you know when you're being mistreated. Look at how this person in your life, this guy or this girl is treating you. And then ask yourself the question, if they were to treat someone like a brother or a sister or a parent like they're treating you, how would you feel about that? And if their treatment of you would be unacceptable to someone else that you love, my question to you is why are you allowing them to treat you in that way? Because it's not, not God's purpose for you to be treated that way. Ladies, I want to say this tonight to you. It is not normal for you to grow accustomed to being mistreated. If you are happy and content being constantly mistreated by guys, I want to tell you, it's not God's purpose for you. It's not normal that you're finding yourself in that space. So don't allow yourself to be mistreated. And then the final rule is this. Don't spend more than you are willing to spend. Don't spend more than you are willing to. At the start of this year, it would be a wise thing for you to budget relationally, to budget emotionally, and to budget sexually. You need to decide right now, what am I willing to give? What I mean by that, ladies, he doesn't deserve to know everything about you. If he's not married to you, he doesn't, he's not earned the right to know everything that there is to know about you. Don't share your deepest, darkest secrets with him. Don't share all of your emotions with him if you're not married to him. Budget sexually. Ladies, you should give very little in terms of sexuality to a guy that you are dating. Very, very little. Because he's not earned the right to be sexually intimate with you if you're not married to him. But for the married people here, my encouragement would be the complete opposite of that. Don't hold back. Don't reserve yourself emotionally from your partner. 
Don't hide things from them. Don't keep things from them. Don't keep yourself sexually, physically from your husband or your wife. Wives, the reality is that chances are your husband wants to have sex more often than what you would like. And you need to give that to him. You need to give yourself to him sexually. <coughs> I want to end with this. If the answer to the question, if your answer to the question, should I be dating, is no, then you need to start preparing yourself to become the right person. You need to start preparing yourself to become dateable. And there are three questions that you need to answer in order for you to be prepared. Number one is, what is wrong with me? Okay, and it might sound harsh, but the reality is you need to know what are the traumas from your past that you are bearing the scars of today. Let me give you an example. So Anel, growing up, did not have a great relationship with her dad. Her dad passed away when she was in grade 11 or matric, and she was, she was wounded from that experience. She bore the scars of that experience. She knew it, and I knew it before we went into a relationship. And she started working through that. She started asking her the question, what is wrong with me because of this trauma that took place in my life? And this question enabled her to go to God and to, to process what was wrong with her. And she dealt with a lot of those things. She got healing from a lot of those things. But in our marriage, in the first three years, both of us started noticing some of the things that started popping up. And as a husband, I need to trust God to show me which of those things that pop up is my responsibility to meet her need and which of those things are needs that only God can meet. Because if you do not go to God to meet the needs that only He can meet, you will try and get it from the person you're dating or from your wife or from your husband. And they do not have the capacity to give those things to you. The second question you should answer is what about my history? What are your dating habits? What are things that you found yourself doing continually previously in your romantic relationships? Because you need to work through those things. You need to be aware of those habits so that you can trust God to heal you. <coughs> For me, there were two things that I knew God had to, had to sort out in my life before I started dating. The first thing is I regularly, as a teenager, overstepped sexually. Praise God, I never went all the way, but I went way too far many, many times. That was the one thing. The second thing, second habit that I had in relationships was that I was a cheater. Didn't bother me in the least to be unfaithful to my girlfriend. And there was a time in my life when God said, for the next two years, you're not even going to be good friends with someone of the opposite sex because I need to heal you. I need to restore you. I need to break habits. I need to break addictions in your life. And I took a break from dating, and God started healing me. And it made it easy to budget because I knew for the next two years, emotionally, relationally, sexually, there was going to be nothing. 
and God started working in my life. The third question you need to answer is what am I looking for? Who am I looking for? And ask yourselves, what am I looking for, not in a girlfriend or a boyfriend, but in a wife or a husband? Because having a girlfriend or a boyfriend is merely a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. So don't try and look for the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend. Look for the perfect husband or wife. But you need to ask yourself, what is it that you want in a wife or in a husband? Proverbs 29 verse 18 says the following. It says, where there is no vision, where there is no plan, where there is no idea of what I want to see, the people cast off restraint. The people find it hard to restrain themselves from their own desires when there's no clear vision or plan. And some of you sitting here tonight, you have gravely overspent relationally, emotionally, sexually, because you don't know what you want. You don't know what you're looking for. So you're willing to accept everything and anything. You need to ask yourself, what is it that you want? Let me give you some great biblical advice. Ruth, everyone know, knows Ruth from the Bible. Ruth waited patiently for her mate Boaz. My advice to you tonight is while you are waiting on your Boaz, don't settle for any of Boaz's relatives. Don't settle for Brokaz. Don't settle for Lioness. Don't settle for cheating ass. Or that one, or that one, or that one, or good for nothing as, or lazy as, and especially for his third cousin beating your ass. <laughs> but wait on your bow has and make sure he respects <laughs> your ass. <laughs> I want to ask the worship team if they can. <laughs> Join me on stage, such a holy moment. <laughs> Sorry about that. If it offended you, send us an email. Well, Tani Pantru. Here's what I want to end with tonight. Following Jesus in the realm of romance and following him in the realm of relationships. If you commit your life, your relationship, your romantic aspect of your life to God, it will always, almost instantly, improve your life. It will almost always, instantly make you better at life. But having said all this, I know that the reality for many of you is that if you would have two boxes in front of you. One box filled with the bad things that have come out of relationships. And another box filled with the good things that came from your previous relationships. I'm sure that for many of you, the box with the bad stuff, the bad baggage, would be filled to the brim.
and the box with the, the good stuff will almost always be empty. And maybe you're at a space tonight where you're saying, God, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to follow you in this area of my life, whether it be your marriage, your dating, or your singleness. And you want to get rid of all the things that have filled your bad box. And maybe for some of you, the reality of your bad box is, is pregnancy tests. Is that you're so sexually active that you're constantly scared of what might happen. Maybe your bad box is filled with a lot of guilt and shame because of what you have done. Maybe your bad box is filled with a lot of heartbreak and heartache and emotional pain and brokenness. And if that is your story, the good news tonight is that there is hope. There is hope regardless of what you have done. And I can say that with certainty tonight, not because I know what you have done, but because I know what Jesus has done. And he said, it is finished for everyone, regardless of what you have done. So I want you to just close your eyes where you're sitting. Maybe just do a stock take. Maybe just ask yourself, where am I at? Maybe you need to take some of the stuff out of the, the bad box and just look at them once again, whether it be guilt or shame or heartbreak. Maybe just look into these two boxes for a moment. And I want to give you an opportunity tonight, just as the music is playing, to put everything that is in your bad box behind you. To ask God to step into your life, to step into your history and to deal with the mess that you have made. And then the best of all to receive his forgiveness. So here in the front, we have two tables with some pieces of paper and some pens. And then we have, uh, what do you call this thing? It's a suitcase, thank you. It's a very old, antique, ancient suitcase. And I want to invite you, if there's something in your bad box tonight that you have brought from previous relationships, as the music is playing to come to the front to get a piece of paper, or maybe a few pieces of paper, and to write down the things that you see in your bad box. And then to walk over to the suitcase, to put them into the suitcase, and in essence saying, Lord, I'm putting this behind me. This, this is part of my history. This is part of who I used to be. And the amazing thing is when we respond in faith to Jesus, 
He's saying that I'm not going to try and fix you. I'm not going to try and make you better. You need to die and be born again. And I want to make you a new creation where the old things are not applicable to you anymore. The old self is dead. And there's a new creation that was raised from the dead. And at the end of tonight, we're going to close this suitcase. And we're going to say, Lord, we, we're done with that. It's been dealt with on the cross. Now I want to follow you. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are good, Jesus, and that you conquered everything. You conquered our mistakes. You conquered the mess that we have made. And I pray tonight, Jesus, that there would be a reckoning, a dealing with the things of the past, with guilt, with heartbreak, with shame, with condemnation, and that you would bring restoration, and that you would take us forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.